Welcome to Bloom, the podcast where mums share their unfiltered birth experiences. We hope that by listening to their stories, you feel empowered and inspired wherever you are on your own journey. Welcome to Bloom. In today's episode, Aisha talks about her long struggle with endometriosis. It had a debilitating impact on her life and she was told it would likely impact her fertility as well. Aisha would pass out every month during her periods, feel very sick, and experience extreme and excruciating pain. She was eventually diagnosed at 26 years old, and we talk about how she managed to ease her symptoms by taking control of her diet and focusing on gut health. Her periods became more manageable, but she also fell pregnant naturally when she had been told that she'd need to have surgery. Because of frustrating experiences with the system, Aisha felt strongly that she didn't want her birth to be a medical procedure and that she wanted to be able to trust in herself and her body. Pregnancy and labour became an opportunity to take ownership of her body again, something that she did right until the end, as, in her words, her baby flew out. I'm so glad that she's sharing her journey with us and I'm really excited that you're going to be able to hear about it. So let's dive straight in to today's episode. Hi, Aisha. Hi. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good, thank you. A little bit tired, but all good. Good. Well, I'll just say on a personal level, I'm really thrilled to have you here. I've really loved learning a bit more about your story. I think it's a really powerful journey and I'm really excited to just learn more about it today. Oh, thank you. Um, I still actually remember the day that I heard the stat about endometriosis affecting 10% of women and I was just like totally blindsided by that. I was like, where are all these women? Like I know hundreds of women and I don't know basically anyone who suffers from this. So um, thank you for speaking out about it. I think it's so important. Thank you. Yeah, it was something that I never really knew about either. And like lots of women, I don't think they know that they may have it because having a painful period is seen as like normal. And Mm. endometriosis is so much more than just painful periods. But that's the starting point, I think, where most people will start digging once their periods are really painful. But we've always been told that that's normal. So before we kind of jump straight in, just a quick kind of introduction would be great. So if you could just tell everyone um, your name, your age, where you're from, what you do in life and who is in your family, please. So my name is Aisha. Uh, It's spelled with an I. Everybody calls me Leisha, but it's Aisha. (laughs) So I always spell my name in um, small letters. I never put a capital letter to try and avoid the mix up now. I am 30. And I live in Essex with my family, my husband and my little boy, who will be free soon. Oh, amazing. And um, I'm a newborn photographer. Sorry, I nearly forgot that part. So I will admit that I fell down a bit of an Instagram rabbit hole looking through all of those gorgeous pictures of little babies (laughs) on their parents' arms wrapped up in lovely knitwear and stuff. It's 
Um, it must be obviously work is work for everyone, but it must be quite a fun job. Yeah, I think I do have the best job in the world. Like, who doesn't love cuddling little babies every single day? Yeah. I have to ask as well, do you feel like you've cracked that challenge that every parent has of getting kids to look at camera properly when you want a photo of them? Or is there any, like, pro tips for getting that right? There is no pro tips. <laughs> kids are kids. They do what they want to do. If they want to look at the camera, they'll look at the camera. If they don't, they don't. I do have some tips, some tricks that I'll have on my camera or like squeaky toys to get them to look. But for me, I just go with the flow of the child. Like Mm. I love capturing families and their stories, families and their personalities, like what makes them them. Most of my clients and parents always choose the ones where they're looking at each other or they're laughing or their child is doing something crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I guess first things first, in terms of your journey, it probably makes sense to start talking a bit more about your endometriosis before we talk about your journey to motherhood. So maybe you could just tell us a bit more about kind of what your first experience of it was. Like, when did you learn about it for the first time? And can you describe kind of how it felt? Yeah, so from the very first time when I got my period, it was really bad really painful and I was just like screaming and crying on the toilet upstairs calling my mum and then from then every single month without foul I would pass out I was really heavy I'd be sick just it was really terrible like PMS symptoms but extreme and excruciating pain all the time Mm -hmm. and I remember my mum would take me to the doctor's and they'd say, just give her paracetamol. She needs a hot bath. Get her a hot water bottle. It was always like a excuse, something, something. Never taking it seriously. Um, but every single month I would say like, mum, I can't do this. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't go to school for like two or three days. I'd ask okay. to see a female doctor because I thought, oh, she would understand. And she was like, all women have to go through it. Just get over it and take a bath. Wow. And I was like, oh, seriously? And then they put me on the pill so was that how old were you then about 16 okay so probably a year or so you managed it on your own yeah yeah I think I was about 16 and it was like a combined one that was supposed to ease the period pains and um clear my skin because I had really bad acne at the time Mm -hmm. so it was called Dianet so then the period pains were still there like every month but they was a bit more manageable and then because I'd just been told, get on with it, that's what I did. Wow. I just kind of okay. just kind of got on with it. And then I'd stayed with my auntie. Mm-hmm. And that was the first and last time I ever <laughs> stayed at her house. Because we'd gone out for dinner, come back to her house, and then I was starting to get these pains, like the really, really bad pains. I said, I'm just going to go up to the toilet. And the next thing, I remember waking up, and like I've got this big bruise on my head, and she's looking over me. And I'd gone up in her bathroom and had passed out. So I I remember trying to, like, get up off the toilet without oh my goodness. Uh, making, a, making a scene. Because, <laughs> you know, you felt like where it always been, just brush it off, brush it off, brush it off. You thought you was a bit crazy. Mm. Um, so you didn't want to, like, cause a fuss or cause a scene. I remember trying to get up and I'd just passed out and I'd pulled the towel out off the wall at the same my time. My goodness me. And fallen back smacked my head on the bath and then just passed out completely on the floor 
So when I woke up, my aunt was like, oh my gosh, what has happened? And then that's when my mum was like pushing a bit more with the doctors that like, we need to try and see yeah. what's going on. And at this point, was anyone saying the word endometriosis? No. Okay. Then it wasn't until I was about 18 or 19, mm-hmm. the same things were happening. It was just a regular occurrence when I was on my period, I'd, I'd pass out. So I used to pass out on the train sometimes <gasps> and like on my way to work. I worked in London. And that just random people would, I'd wake up and a random person had helped me off the train. I didn't know where I was. It was just, it was really bad. But where nobody had looked into it properly or gave me any sort of diagnosis, you just kind of carry on, you know, around about this sort of time. And my periods were not, were not regular. So I didn't know that on the 15th of every month I was going to come on my period. It was like, it would just happen. I didn't, didn't know nothing about my cycle I didn't know anything. Mm. I just knew that when when I fainted, my period was going to start the next couple of days after that. So what changed to help you get to a point where you were able to put a name on it? So, yeah, when I was about 18, 19, I was going for scans. Um, I had a few ultrasound scans and they couldn't see anything. And then I had um, maybe three or four different internal scans at different locations and on the final scan they said that I had cysts on my ovaries okay so then they said oh you've got polycystic ovaries that's what it is it was just left like that it wasn't anything on how to manage it what to do it was just that yeah this is what you've got carry on taking your pill and Mm. you'll be fine that is shocking I mean listening back to it you think you know it's a health it's not just a health risk you are you know putting yourself in situations where you could have you know been really seriously injured if you'd fainted somewhere where you couldn't yeah be looked after and and it's scary actually to like to look back and it started so young and there was Mm. like zero guidance or zero help yeah and like my mum was none the wiser she was coming to the doctors with me and then just hearing what they're saying like my experience that leading up to my diagnosis, I think we know our bodies be- better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. You said they they'd kind of boxed it in as polycystic ovaries, but yeah. is that now? Do you know that that's not the case? Well, I do have both. I have both polycystic ovaries and endometriosis. Mm-hmm. But the polycystic ovaries was given first because they could see the cysts from the um, internal yeah. scan. But endometriosis can be quite hard to to notice. So that's why it goes undiagnosed for such a long time. Mm. So when when did it get diagnosed in in your case? So I got diagnosed with the endometriosis in 2018. So I was 26. Wow, okay. Yeah, so a really long time then. Yeah, so I was 26 when I got diagnosed with endometriosis. And how did that happen? Um, That happened because I decided in 2014 to come off my pill okay and I'd been on it since I was 16 and this point I was 21 Mm. the following year I went back on it again and when I went back on the pill periods were really really bad I was having lots of clots and it was all just messed up and I was starting to notice I was getting really angry my anxiety was bad Mm -hmm. and then at one point so I missed out a bit of the story but I met my now husband ah 
then we got engaged in 2015. So we was at his parents' house in Macedonia. Mm-hmm. It was about 2016, just before we was getting married. We'd gone out for like a family dinner and I'd passed out. And I hadn't passed out like bad for a long time. Mm-hmm. Passed out and I was losing a lot of blood. And like, it's quite graphic. But there was like um skin or something oh, in wow. in the clots that were coming out. Okay. So we wasn't sure if it was maybe like an early miscarriage, signs of an early miscarriage. He was freaking out because I was in the bathroom. I was being sick. I'd passed out. I was sweating. There was all this stuff coming out of me. He got his mum and then, goodness me. And then she was saying like, "This is this is not right." And she had similar issues with her ovaries in the past okay she was like just when you go home you really need to push and get and get this looked at Mm -hmm. so that's when I started when I came home went back to the doctors they said it could have possibly been early miscarriage could it have been that you were pregnant yeah it could have been I didn't know but we never really explored that avenue because it happened I didn't keep any of that stuff yeah I just flushed it, so we didn't really know. Mm-hmm. But then that's when I said, "Well, I need, I need some answers in because this can't keep happening." Yeah, it's scary. Every single month, so I came off the pill completely, um, and said, "I'm um, so I could start regulating my my body and my hormones." Mm-hmm. Who was the kind of medical professional that was following you at this time? Was it just your GP, or did you have a yeah. women's health? No, just a GP. Then they said, "Okay, well." take you for another scan send you for another scan I was waiting like three or four months for a referral until I had one scan had the internal scan again and they confirmed that there was more cysts okay on my ovaries since the last time that I'd had a scan mm-hmm. recommended me pills to go on but I didn't want to go on any pills yeah I started following this health like weight loss program because I was getting married in 2017, I wanted to lose weight for the wedding. And it's focused on cleansing your body from the toxins that are stored, excess toxins that are stored as fat. Mm-hmm. So it's like a full body reset, getting out all of the rubbish stuff, but teaching you how to maintain it as a lifestyle rather than just like a fad diet. Yeah. Um, so I was following that. I lost a lot of weight. I think I'd gone from like a size 14 to a size 8 to 10. Wow. In like three, four months. Wow, okay. And did you feel like it was, you felt healthy about your kind of approach to that? Yeah, it was like, to me it felt gradual because I wasn't stepping on the scales or anything like that. I just wanted to feel better for the wedding. Mm -hmm. And I just felt overall like better. Yeah, my periods were were way more manageable. Like I'd still get the pains, but I wasn't passing out. I wasn't being sick. It was just always in some sort of pain. I was always in some sort of pain. But you kind of get to that level, and I'm sure lots of other girls with endometriosis will understand what I'm talking about. It's like you're always in that pain, but you just kind of forget about it because it's a constant pain every single day. Yeah. Okay. Even when you're not on your period. Yeah, okay. even when you're not on your period. Everything is aching or you've got like random bruises coming up all over the place. There's there's so many 
links to the endometriosis with lots of different symptoms yeah coming on my period like that week before would be the most pain that I'd be in mm-hmm. and that that first day of the period when I literally can't couldn't do anything I just had to lay in bed but you get so used to that feeling you just you don't think anything of it Mm. if you know what I mean if that yeah, makes yeah. sense so you said um the wedding's in 2017 and you I think you said, did you say you were diagnosed in 2018 yeah with endometriosis okay so I want to ask a little bit about your husband um you said he'd seen kind of firsthand fairly soon after you met it sounds like some of the yeah harsh reality of all the symptoms were you talking about having a family quite early on before you were married yeah so we always knew that we wanted to have children and have a family like that's something he always wanted something I always wanted I always wanted to have children really young Mm. because a a lot of my family like my great nan was young when she married and had my nan and my nan was like all in the beginning of their 20s when they had their children so it's just always been nice growing up close and never feeling like there was a huge gap yeah between you I wanted that I wanted to have a big family and I wanted to start it young but then it was that year after the wedding because he's a bit older than me so he was like wanting children sooner yeah and the year after the wedding we was talking about it we're gonna travel this year and then next year we will start thinking about family and stuff but so he said, you need to go and do all these tests and see what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To see if it's possible, if, if you can have children. Yeah. So that's what pushed my journey to a diagnosis. Okay. So you'd, you'd, I guess it sounds like you'd a little bit prepared yourselves mentally that there might be a connection between the, the symptoms you've been having and your fertility, but no one had kind of and it sounds like none of the medical professionals at least had really been bringing that up proactively yeah okay yeah and so who was the person who gave you the diagnosis in the end it was a consultant I ended up going private okay so I made a big complaint to my GP my local GP because I'd asked for a referral Mm -hmm. and then the referral was going to be like seven months just to get the referral appointment mm-hmm. to go for a, a further scan. So I made a huge complaint about the GP, about the GP practice, and then to my local MP. Wow, okay. And then my GP got me a private appointment. Okay. So luckily I didn't have to pay for it because I'd made the complaint. What he'd noticed is that I had a blocked fallopian tube. Okay. So what he said was all the eggs that had supposed to have been released, like when you have your period, were all stuck inside the tubes. Mm-hmm. And then I had cysts all around the outside of them and on my left ovary, lots of clusters of cysts. And he said, like, if you wanted to have a, have a good chance of falling pregnant, you would need to have your fallopian tubes all flushed out and then the cysts burn off and the endometriosis removed. How, how did you, do you remember how that felt to be given that? Yeah, I was sitting on my own because my husband said, do you want me to come with you? And I was like, oh no, it's fine. I've done this loads of times, you know. 
Um, and I wasn't really expecting to get anything. And then to hear all of this and all the big words he was saying, like, I'm dyslexic as well. So he's talking in all this like, medical terms. And mm. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. I just remember him saying like, you need to have a surgery basically. Yeah. Okay. Because it's such a long time coming. I mean, basically the, from the time you get your first period until the time you're thinking about having a family it's undiagnosed and then the moment where you finally get that information is so short it's a lot to suddenly be processing yeah it was I'd known a few people close to me that had ectomic pregnancies and it was really tough for them so I didn't want to have that feeling where you get so excited Mm. and then then it's nothing and that's even more painful and you still have to go through that process sometimes of a surgery or delivering yeah. a baby that that's not there. So what did what did you decide with your partner? Did you decide you'd actively try or did you, when you fell pregnant, was it more of an accident? Yeah, when I fell pregnant, it was an accident because we said we wouldn't, we wouldn't until I'd gone through all of these surgeries. Mm-hmm. We was going on our honeymoon. So again, the same thing. I yeah. wanted to lose weight. I wanted to feel better for the honeymoon. So then I started the program again. Mm-hmm. But this time around, there was a a focus on gut health okay. and like these supplements that I was taking that came with the, with the program, which I hadn't even heard of gut health before. I wasn't aware of, of it. I wasn't into nutrition. I just, I always, fo- I followed this program for like three years now, mm-hmm. but um I followed it just to simply lose weight and I knew it was easy and, and manageable and maintainable for me to, to keep it up. Once I'd got my endometriosis diagnosis, so after this first initial appointment, I had to go back again to get the official diagnosis. They have to put a camera inside you mm-hmm. at the keyhole okay. surgery thing to see where the endometriosis is and then where they would have to remove it, you know. So I got diagnosed, this was like November 2018, and then my surgery was going to be like June, July time. Mm -hmm. So it was still quite a long wait, like six, seven months. And during that time you had your honeymoon, did you? Yeah. Um, And when when did you find out you were pregnant? So I found out like the week after my birthday that I was pregnant. Leading up to that holiday, and I'd gone back on the programme, was learning about gut health learning about endometriosis at the same time and saw that there was a, a link. Right. I was following this program, but like taking it way more seriously now and looking into gut health, thinking about foods that impact the gut and really seeing the link between mm-hmm. the two. And when I was doing, like taking these supplements for the gut health, my period pains were like, were, I felt like what normal people would have as period pains. Yeah. Okay. So we'd been to Vegas and I was just drinking a lot. So we'd been, Vegas festivals, birthdays. Yeah. I was drinking a lot. And then I'd gone to the Spice Girls concert, their reunion <laughs> one that was on my birthday. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, I remember going, trying on the outfit before, like way before, because you know, it's Spice Girls. I was a big fan. I was going with my best friends. I really tried the outfit on and I was like, this outfit doesn't fit me how it fit me when I tried it on. If something doesn't feel right. And then the next, um, it was my boobs were like, they just yeah. felt really big. And mm. I always would get a little bit of a like pain or swelling when I was on my period. But I'm thinking, oh, maybe my period is coming 
it should be I haven't had a period yet this month so it should be soonish was there anything in the back of your mind saying you could be pregnant no because I just didn't think it was going to be possible until I'd had this operation yeah so I was just like were you using contraception on your honeymoon to kind of make sure that there was definitely no chance or were you because you were so convinced that it wouldn't be possible you thought there was no yeah we wasn't but like (laughs) so our contraception is was the pullout game that's Mm -hmm. that's what it was (laughs) um because we just didn't think it was possible yeah well if you're being told like it's virtually not possible for you to conceive then yeah makes sense so where where were you when you found out that you were pregnant so I was at home in my head I was still feeling hungover I was like oh god this is what happens now I'm like over 25 and you're close to 30 I just can't handle going out anymore Mm -hmm. I'm hungover I've been doing too many things that's all I was saying like yeah um and my friend was like why don't you just take a pregnancy test okay and I was like no because I'd come on my period so that the day after Spice Girls concert um I was bleeding okay so I'd come on my period my friend was like, just take a pregnancy test. I said, well, no, I've I've come on now. And she went, she went when I come home from work, I'm going to drop you in a test. Just Aww. take it. So I was like, okay, then. So she dropped it in from work and I took it the next day Okay. in the morning. Um, had you told your husband you were going to do it? No, I hadn't told okay. him. So I took the test in the morning and it was still kind of looking like it was saying negative. So I'd left it and then the bin day, it was bin day. So I started preparing the bin. So I was gone upstairs and got all the bins from the bedroom, got the bin from the bathroom. And I remember, I don't know why it came into my head, but I was putting the bins away and I thought, oh, this can't be real. Like, let me just see if it still says the same thing. Yeah. And it had two lines on there. So then I was panicking and I called my friend and she went, but it, it could be evaporation, an evaporation line. And I've never taken a pregnancy test before. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I was like, what's an evaporation line? So I'm Googling it. And she was like, do the digital one that I gave you. Why haven't <laughs> you done the digital one? Why are you doing these ones with all the different lines? And I said, oh, I don't know. I just feel really scared and really nervous. She was like, well, wait for Zoran to come home yeah. and do this digital one. So the whole day, because this is the morning, the whole day I'm pacing up and down the house and I, I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't do any work. And my mm. husband um, is a barber, a hairdresser, and he was working in London at the time. So I called him like I usually would call him during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what time are you going to be home? Are you coming straight home? Are you going to the gym? And he was like, why are you asking me so many questions? What's wrong? <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, I might be, but I'm not sure because there's too many things and I'm a bit confused. And he was like, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you're saying. Oh, bless him. Well, I kind of done a pregnancy test and I think I might possibly be pregnant, but I might not be pregnant. I don't know. I just need you to come home. It can just come home. And he was like, and he said to me, he nearly shaved somebody's ear because he had the clippers <laughs> in his hand and I'm talking gibberish down the phone. And he was like, what, what? Okay, I'll, I'll come ho- straight home from work. I'll come straight home. So come home and he's all like excited. Mm-hmm. Did the test and I thought, I'm not going to look at it until we look at it together. Oh, did you manage to do that? No. <laughs> I was going to say, I always have a massive respect for women who have willpower with this kind of thing. 
Yeah, no, he was downstairs waiting and I was like, I need to look first because I need to mentally prepare myself. And it did say pregnant. And then I was thinking, oh, my gosh. The first thing that went through my mind was, what do I tell my mum and dad? And I was like, yeah. thinking, well, you're 27 and you're married and you live by yourself. Like, <laughs> And I thought I was going to get in trouble. Aww. We just both was crying. Oh, happy crying yeah would you say yeah and then I was really then it went from happy crying to like scared crying because I said well I think I'm on, I'm on my period because I've been bleeding mm-hmm. and I've been drinking like been, we've been drinking heavily all month yeah. <laughs> every single night um so then I got really worried and panicky because I thought going back to everything the doctor had said Mm-hmm. Eptopic pregnancy, I wouldn't be able to carry a child properly until I'd everything been flushed out and then yeah. the bleeding and all of that stuff. So, like, the panic sinks in. So, I called the early maternity unit okay. straight away and I said to them that I'd have a, pre- a positive pregnancy test, but I'm bleeding and I've got endometriosis diagnosis and blah, blah, blah. So, she said, come in for an early scan. So it was like still another two weeks. Quite a long time to wait when every day is very uncertain. Yeah, and yeah you're looking for clarity and stuff. Yeah. Two weeks feels like a long, long time. So I, we literally went and bought another pack of tests and I just kept doing a test mm-hmm. every single day. And what did they tell you when you had the the early scan? I just remember feeling sick. I was so sick. Mm. I was just laying there. And then you hear like the heartbeat. And I was like oh that sigh of relief because you just think it's there and she said that I was eight weeks pregnant so I was like whoa eight weeks that was like the beginning of a holiday yeah that guilt kicked in already because I thought we've been drinking were they able to give you any reassurance about that she said it's fine like lots of people don't know that they're pregnant when they fall pregnant well yeah exactly yeah I just felt terrible. And then from that moment on, I don't know if it was maybe subconscious or adrenaline that I was running on until that moment that I didn't feel any anything else. But like as soon as we, we knew, okay, it's actually there. Um, but the symptoms, pregnancy symptoms, just from the ne- very next day were like full on. Wow. Do you think that could be psychological? Like you finally let yourself accept that it's a pregnancy? And that's what I think it was. I think I might have been running on adrenaline until that moment. And then Uh like my body relaxed or my mind relaxed because you think it's there. Yeah. Because I had the worst sickness throughout pregnancy. Mm. Which started at about eight, nine weeks. Yeah. Okay. But it didn't start before then. And... Was the bleeding carrying on or did that stop eventually? Yeah, it stopped at the end of that week. She said if it carries on, if it gets heavier, then give us a call back. But it, I didn't bleed again after that. Okay. And so the sickness, um, obviously, it's a very well-known early symptom of pregnancy. But mm. how manageable was it early on? And kind of when did you realise it was going to be more yeah, that was the worst thing throughout the whole pregnancy that I experienced, the sickness. So having the sickness and having still that pressure of like, oh, we can't tell anybody because we've got to wait until 
I think my 12 week scan was in August sometime. Mm-hmm. That was that's the one thing I think we need to kind of let go of is that you should be able to to tell whoever you want to tell and speak openly about that you're pregnant without having a scan to show that you're pregnant. Yeah. And what strikes me about your story as well is the fact that the kind of parallels I suppose between endometriosis and hyperemesis which is the kind of chronic sickness throughout pregnancy not just the first trimester both of those illnesses are kind of notoriously undiagnosed and doctors unfortunately are kind of known for not not diagnosing them well enough and early enough and Mm. women are kind of suffering through so it seems kind of ironic in a way that you who've gone through that experience with endometriosis would then have that happen during your pregnancy yeah literally. do you think that you dealt with it better or differently because of your endometriosis background maybe because I think I've got quite a um strong pain threshold now Mm, yeah so and a lot of things that if I'm really suffering I don't speak about it if I'm in a lot of pain or if something's really hurting me I won't tell anybody unless it gets to that point where I where I do pass out Mm. and that happened a few times during my pregnancy I fainted twice so um one was like really early on um and then another time whilst I was on holiday again well in Macedonia I fainted and had to be taken into the hospital there okay but the the tablets that they gave me for the sickness when you read when I read them so after falling pregnant I was like and having the really bad sickness I was way more aware of everything and I wanted to know okay if someone gives me something or prescribes me something I was reading everything I was reading the inserts I wanted to know what the ingredients were even if I didn't understand half the things on there I was like uh, googling them Mm. to try and figure out like a a dummy version of what they were so I could understand it in my own terms you know mm-hmm. um never once when I had that consultation even when I went private did he tell me about the link between rearranging my my diet my lifestyle mm. and the foods that I would eat or the drinks that I would drink would have an impact on on my condition that was never told to me mm. I just found that out myself so was that true of the the sickness as well? Could you were there things that you could eat or drink that would ease it? Well, a lot of people were saying ginger. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like an old wives' tale, ginger. Yeah. But I with the sickness there was nothing. Okay. The only thing I could I could stomach was my smoothies, my protein shake smoothies that I was making. Okay. Um and the doctor had told me so on the packet of or everything all the supplements it says consult your doctor gp whatever when you're pregnant mm-hmm. i think they have to put it there don't they just to cover their their backs so because i was very nervous at the beginning i uh, i took everything to to my first midwife appointment and i was like can i have this can i still drink this can i do that and she was like oh i would advise not to and okay and i thought oh but why because this there's nothing bad in this protein. It's got like all the calcium, all the vitamins, minerals, like everything. All my daily intake that I needed was in this in this one protein shake that I was adding to smoothies with berries and water or oat milk okay. to to make. 
And uh, she couldn't give me a, a logical reason why I couldn't have it. She just said, oh, I would just recommend, like, just eating whole foods. Okay. So to me, that didn't seem like she knew what she was talking about. Yeah. I, now I've got in my head, I question everything. And that's been from suffering so long with endometriosis to then being told that you can't have a baby mm. to naturally falling pregnant. So I question everything now. So I thought, well, I'm just going to carry on drinking this because when I'm Googling the ingredients. Yeah, you couldn't see a reason not to. And the vitamins and the minerals, there's nothing that says mm-hmm. that you can't have it when you're pregnant. And I have these um, like energy sachets that I take. So it's like vitamin C, D, B12. It's all natural. And she was telling me, drink a Lucozade or something instead. So when I'm comparing the ingredients, the sugars and all of the nonsense that's in the Lucozade is, is you shouldn't really be drinking that if you're not pregnant, let alone when you are pregnant. So I realised the stuff I had was absolutely fine. So the only things that would ease, it wouldn't stop the sickness, but that I was able to mm. hold down was drinking my smoothies in the morning and then just sipping like I would make one bottle of the energy because I was exhausted when you're being sick all the time. Yeah, cool. Um, just sip lightly yeah. this drink and dry crackers and dry toast. Okay. Like the first six months of pregnancy, my diet was like just beige. Mm. But so it did, you said six months, so did it start to ease off? towards the end yeah at six months I stopped being sick every day okay um because I was being sick every day and like sometimes up to 20 30 times in a day it was a lot were you able to enjoy your pregnancy at all or was it Mm. too relentless yeah I I would say until six months I didn't really enjoy it Mm. and like you you want to enjoy it because you feel like this is what yeah. we wanted and we wasn't we kind of kept saying like this is a, our miracle baby like it was brought to yeah. us when we didn't know that it was going to be possible like so you want to enjoy every moment as people say enjoy every moment enjoy every moment but we couldn't enjoy every moment and then you feel bad for not enjoying every moment it sounds I think it sounds a bit dark but I think it's important to ask because I've having spoken to people who've suffered from this sickness was there a time or, or times when you even questioned the decision to have a baby at all? Because I think a lot of women experience that. Yeah. And it can be quite a strange emotion to have to deal with. Yeah. Or you think like, is this, I thought that I was having this terrible symptoms because I was drinking in the beginning of the pregnancy. Hmm, so yeah. then you start blaming yourself and you think like is it my fault have I done something wrong it's just guilt I, f- I guess that mum guilt that yeah, starts before you even are physically a mum you know mm, yeah and what did you what were your hopes for the birth if you had any um I wanted to do a water birth so I, I started at six months I started doing hypnobirthing Mm-hmm. I kind of I laugh at it now but um one of my friends said to me that she could imagine me being like this hippie mum one day <laughs> and this was like years ago when we were younger 
and I was like hippie mum I don't think so like I was the complete opposite to how I am now like but as I was pregnant I just something inside of me clicked and I just wanted to go yeah completely in tune with my body I wanted to have the experiences that I've had medical experiences I didn't want my birth to be a medical procedure Mm. I just wanted to to know that I could trust in me and my body and and that this is what I was put on the earth to do like women are designed to create life and give birth Mm. so I have gone that like complete hippie way I guess I wanted I didn't want any drugs I wanted a water birth I wanted it. I wanted a home birth, but they wouldn't allow me because they said I was high risk. Okay, because of um, the endometriosis and all of the background. Yeah. Okay. And the baby uh, was small, really small. So I was going for extra growth scans. Okay. They said it would wouldn't be possible to have a home birth because I was high risk. Okay. But they said it it would be possible to have a water bath. So then that was in my head. Calm, yeah. serene, like yeah. atmosphere. And I just wanted it to to just happen when it was supposed to happen. I didn't want any medical interventions. Okay. So let's let's talk about the day itself. Do you remember what you were doing when you first thought it might be labour? Yes. Yeah, so I ended up actually being induced. Oh, okay. Which was not what I wanted okay, yeah. at all. Because you'd gone but past your due date. No, I hadn't reached my due date yet. Okay. The last scan that you were supposed to have before it all finishes, I can't remember, the baby hadn't grown in the two weeks since I'd had the scan before. Right. So now they were worried and was going to send me for more regular growth scans but if nothing could change by 35 weeks they was going to induce me and I said I don't want to be induced at 35 weeks like I had to go for heart monitoring for me and the baby and growth scan every week Mm -hmm. and then it was yeah it was 35 week scan and they said oh we're gonna are you happy for us to induce you today because the baby has not grown we can't see why the baby's not grown but there's no issue with you like so I didn't have the diabetes I didn't have any health condition apart from the sickness would you remember if they were measuring your bump as well as the scans yeah yeah and and did it show that you were still growing but the baby wasn't yeah okay so they were confused as to what was happening but nobody Mm. could tell me the exact reason so they were saying like on the on our growth um, chart, the baby needs to be at this point, at this weight, at this point of pregnancy, and the baby was below that. So I think the baby should have been measuring around about five or six pounds, but it was measuring four pounds. Okay. And they said, we're really concerned. And I said, but explain to me how you can measure the baby yeah. inside of my stomach. Like, I'm just laying down and you're, it's a scan and you're putting a point there and a point there and estimating the weight. Yeah. So were they, did they empower you to make that decision or did you in the end say, fine, I'll follow your advice? I said no that day and they was like really okay. angry that I'm saying no, this is for the best for you and your baby, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, give me the exact reason why. Don't just tell me I need to be induced. Explain to me why. Yeah. And she wouldn't explain to me. So then they passed me on to somebody else and I said, well, I'll come back again tomorrow and I'll, she said, I'll come for another scan 
and another heart monitor in and check because the baby's heart was fine who cares if the baby's a little bit smaller brilliant that's going to be easier for me like I'd rather have a small baby that's what I'm thinking in my head Mm. every day I was in the hospital and I was getting so frustrated because that end bit where you want to be nesting and home and relaxing and preparing for your birth I'm every day I'm in the hospital on these machines yeah so 42 weeks no 40 weeks is full term isn't it so I must have been 38 to 39 like 38.5 I think it was but I think like full term technically is anywhere between like 38 and 42 so if you were if you were past that point yeah you'd got to that window of technically your full term now full term yeah and that's how I felt because it was the lady that taught me the hypnobirthing that was like giving me more information on induction and you can say no and know your rights and Mm. she was basically taught me everything was that someone local to you yeah it was a it's a chain franchise like daisy birthing okay but yeah she was really good that lady like changed my perceptive um, on everything Mm. so it was yeah 38.5 or 39 and so I knew I was full term yeah and I was with my husband at this scan and they said right we do really want to induce you because nothing has changed the baby hasn't grown um, and we're worried so I said well can you explain I said I don't want to be difficult but I want to know I need to know to have the all the information before I can make a decision so she went well you'll be waiting all day to see a doctor I said I'll wait all day to see a doctor then okay good for I you. will happily sit here all day and wait for a doctor I'm not just going to let you induce me when I don't know why I'm being induced and then a doctor had overheard because we're in the little cubicles right. you know it's just a, a curtain that separates all mm. the women in this triage unit so he comes in and he said basically we can't see why there's no growth and it's concerning us and because of your notes your history that any day that you leave it longer it could be an increase to stillbirth okay so he explained it in a bit in a bit more detail and my husband took it in more than I did but I registered that bit of the conversation well they gave me a sweep and said that I was two centimetres dilated. I mean, two centimetres dilated, plenty of women arrive to hospital after lots of painful contractions at that dilation. So your body's obviously doing something by that point. Yeah. And then they said they'd book me in at 39 weeks. So it was like three or four days after that conversation Mm. to come back for the induction. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Because that would be a week or so before my due date anyway yeah um and I just didn't want to have a baby in January because <laughs> nobody enjoys January so like my selfishness I didn't want to have a baby in January <laughs> and I I felt like I'd got the answers to why they was pushing the induction so I, was, I could go with it every day I had to call up and see if they had room for me the first day they didn't have room the second day they didn't have room. And then the third day I rung in the morning. She was like, we'll call you back in the afternoon to tell you if we can get you in today. So I thought, oh, they're not going to call back again because they're not going to have room. So we went to B&Q to start getting paint and stuff to start doing the room because we hadn't <laughs> even done the baby's room. We'd gone to B&Q and then I remember them calling me saying, right, we've got a bed ready for you. Can you make your way down? Okay. 
only just got to B&Q. Zoran, like, we need to go to the hospital now. They've got a bed. Yeah. So then he's, like, now hyperventilating, walking up and down the corridor. I said, let's just put the paint <laughs> down, get in the car, and go home and pick up the bag. Probably it sounds as though the nursery is not being painted before. Yeah. <laughs> the sooner we all accept that, the better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this was, like, 11 o'clock when I got there, and I was waiting until I didn't get induced until, like, 5 o'clock that evening. Okay. And then Zoran's moaning, I could have painted the room in this time and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> So did you, when they induced you, did you know what they were going to do? Was it the pessary or was it an injection? I or? asked to have the most natural form of induction, which was the rods. Okay. So she explained it like it didn't have any hormones on it. It's like five tampons in a circle. Okay. And then they push the rods up on onto your cervix. Okay. And it stays in the same way. It stays in for 24 hours. And when they take it out... Uh, you can either have it again if it's not worked and then if it doesn't work the second time then you have to have a c-section right but I didn't want the c-section and then she said because you're high risk like usually we can send women home until their labor starts but because you're high risk you've got to stay in here now Mm -hmm. and you won't be leaving here until the baby's born Mm -hmm. so then I had like a massive panic because I was like I don't want to be in the hospital right I want to be home because I didn't know I was not going to be leaving the hospital that day. Yeah, okay. Did you did you find any way or coping mechanism to kind of recreate your bubble in the hospital? So, yeah, my mum and, and Zoran went home and got right. my stuff okay. and my bag and my speaker and my essential oils. <laughs> yeah. What essential oil did you have? I have this one, it's a blend, it's called Harmony, mm-hmm. and it's just like quite calming. Okay. So this was Wednesday, they took the rods out Thursday afternoon-ish. I think I was three centimetres when they took the rods out, but she said there was no beds on the labour ward. Right. So she was like, just stay here, get some rest, and we probably will take it to the labour ward on Friday. Were you having contractions? Well, I was having something from the moment they put the rods in. But because of the seriousness of my endometriosis pains and always ignoring the pain, I said to Zoran, I kind of feel like I've got a little bit of a period pain coming on. Mm -hmm. But that period pain was where I'm so used to the excruciating period pains. I'm not thinking that it's anything wrong. Yeah. But then that Wednesday night, I couldn't sleep because I was getting... It was ramping up a bit. Yeah. And then I downloaded a contraction timer thing. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this possibly could be contractions, but I didn't want to bother anybody. And I asked a midwife and then she said, if you were having contractions, you would know about it. You'd be in a lot of pain and you'd be screaming. And then I said to her, can I sit on the ball? Because it's uncomfortable to me for me to stay in this bed. I need to be sitting upright. Mm-hmm. And she was a bit funny because when I was on the ball, my wires were not the right way. It's easier to monitor the baby when I'm laying down. I said, but I don't want to lay down. It's uncomfortable. I want to sit on the ball. Yeah. So I sat on the ball like pretty much all Thursday. um, And she told me I was going to go to the label Friday and Thursday. I'd just be chilling on this ward. So I told my mum and my husband, like, oh, you might as well go home because nothing's happening today. Yeah. So they both went home 
And as I was falling asleep, the woman comes running into me and was like, we're taking you down to the labour ward now. We're taking you down to the labour ward. And I was like, but I just sent everybody home. I haven't got my stuff. Like, Oh, my word. I said, is there a bed for you now? She went, yeah, yeah, we've found a bed. So I must have been having, because they're monitoring me, I must have been having contractions, but not realising. And were they still measuring your dilation? No, she. I never got measured again after that first time when they took the rods out. They never measured me again after that. I called my husband and my mum and they'd literally just got home. And I was like, you've got to come back. One, another midwife and doctor come in and was like, right, we're going to set you up for epidural. And I said, I don't want epidural. She went, you do know you're in labour and you're about to have a baby. This is going to really hurt. Wow. And I was like, yes, I do know. And I don't want an epidural. So she was like, we're going to set you up for one. So I don't want one. Can you come back when my mum's yeah, here, please? Okay. So I sent her away. And I just sat and wait for my mum and Zorin to come back. I'd written out my birth plan yeah. and Zorin had gave it to the, the midwife and the doctor. And the doctor went, oh, they all do this. It's kind of cute, but it's not going to go to plan. Wow. Through my papers like this. And I was fuming. Mm, that is shocking. I didn't even look at her because I was trying to remember what all my hypnobirthing thing was. And I had my affirmations. I had like my music that was on with the waves and I was in my, so now I knew I'm having contractions because they was like ramping up and I said this is not normal now this is real pain so I'm breathing in breathing out I'm imagining every contraction but we called it surge in our classes is like the wave that comes in and as it goes out it's bringing me closer to my baby so that's what I'm saying over and over in my head and then I just said to my mum, because I, I didn't open my eyes. I remember the whole of my wow. labour, I had my eyes closed. And I said to my mum, get this woman out of here because I'm not giving birth while she's in the room. <gasps> Good for you. <laughs> and the doctor was like, what? I said, I don't want her in here, mum. And I was refusing to talk to her. I was like, get her out, please get her out. So she left. Then they came in and put a drip in my arm yeah. and said, because I've, I've been induced... They need to help get the baby out quicker. So they put the fake oxytocin in the drip. Read about the drip and I said, I don't want it to start yet. And um, because I feel like my body's doing what it needs to do. Mm. And if you do need to start it, I'm starting it on zero, like the smallest amount, because usually they start it out of four, Mm -hmm. which is why most women then end up having the epidural because the pain's too much and your body can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And did they listen? Yeah, so she said, we'll come back in an hour and if your waters have not broken, then we'll put you on the drip and we'll start, we'll break your waters and then we'll start the process. Okay. One of the things my la- lady said was rotate to dilate. Mm-hmm. So I'm like rotating on this ball, rotate to dilate, rotate to dilate, just trying everything you know to for my waters to break did it work they didn't break okay so she come back in at half past midnight and broke the waters for me and that was terrible that was that was more painful than Mm, actual pushing the baby out for me then they put the drip I said I knew that the contractions were getting stronger yeah but I wasn't screaming or shouting or anything I'm just breathing through them normally so she said, we'll come back, we'll give you another hour and a half mm-hmm. and then we'll come back and start the drip. Because I was quite adamant, like saying no. Mm. And I think a lot of women, it's so easy to just 
go along with what they're saying because they know best they've delivered hundreds of babies and then you're suppressing what you actually want to do yeah um and where I'm quite headstrong and stubborn (laughs) it worked in my favor at that time because I was I was saying no I don't Mm. want to do that Mm. so how much time passed from where she broke your waters to a point when you were feeling like you could push they broke my waters at half past 12 and then she came back in at three half past three Mm -hmm. and said that my contractions were not strong enough so she's reading the monitor saying that my contractions were only hitting 80 and they needed to be hitting 100 for me to be able to push the baby out but were you feeling like you needed to push and not at that point I I was feeling I was feeling something like I could feel something coming down yeah but I didn't know that it that I needed Mm -hmm. to push at that point so I said that she could start the drip because the pain was starting to get like ramp up a lot. And I said to them, please, I need to sit up. And I wanted to come up on my knees, but they wouldn't let me go on my knees because the monitor was cutting off completely. Okay. So I said, well, can you change the shape of the bed? So it was like some sitting on the toilet sort of, because mm-hmm. I needed to lean forward. I was having all the pain in the bottom of my back Yeah, is where it was. In my head, I'm thinking... I need the toilet. I really need to go to the toilet. But I didn't want to ask her if I could go to the toilet. Yeah. I said, oh, how does it work if I need to go to the toilet? We'll have to take all the machines off and then we have to monitor you again for half an hour before we can start anything. Okay. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to wet myself. I'm sure she's seen it before. <laughs> and then I just said to her, I'm really sorry, but I think something's coming out. Closing my eyes and I'm holding the bottom of my belly. Yeah. Because I didn't want to wee. So I'm like, something's going to come out. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And so she's checking the, the drip in my hand. She was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Nothing's coming out. The drip's all fine. And um, then I felt like I wet myself, uh-huh. but it was the baby. And it just flew out all in one go and smacked the bottom of the, <gasps> of the bed. Wow. Everyone was screaming because she didn't have her gloves on or anything because she was looking at whatever she was looking at. And she was like, that's the baby that's the baby my mum was going that's the baby that's the baby and uh yeah wow the baby was there and she my mum was like just pick it up pick it up she was like I haven't got my gloves so the the, not just his head but his whole body and feet and everything yeah all in one go and did you feel like you pushed or it just happened probably looking back now me thinking I need to go to the toilet was that me needing to push yeah but more of an involuntary thing than like a you're forcing the muscles to push. Yeah. That's amazing. Good for you though. I mean, I would, the whole way through you telling that I was willing you to not end up having the epidural and I was just willing it to work because yeah. I didn't know what the end was going to be. <laughs> yeah, I think. And that's like changed the course of motherhood for me from from pregnancy, really, like we know our bodies more than anybody Mm. when you piece it back together afterwards you just think these people yes they know what they're doing that's why they're in that job but they don't know you better than you know you Mm. so they should be like used as guidance and not used as gospel I I guess in some ways yeah for me listening to the whole narrative from the endometriosis through to the pregnancy it feels like the strength that you had 
during your pregnancy and labor were almost created as a response to the system that had kind of failed you throughout the endometriosis yeah. so it felt like pregnancy and labor was an opportunity to, for you to kind of take ownership a bit more of your body yeah yeah that's 100% how it feels because mm. a lot of people a lot of girls with endometriosis is like why does my body hate me why does why is my body felt and it's like no it's not that at all it's just the system around us doesn't help us empower our bodies mm. yes it's a very complicated and tricky subject but you can take the responsibility to help yourself more instead of just waiting always for somebody to tell you what to do next yeah and so how was your baby after all of the fears around his size and all of that he was absolutely fine he was six pounds seven when he was Mm. born so he wasn't small at all how frustrating yeah but how great at the same time. <laughs> and yeah, he's been absolutely fine the whole way. Oh, and how is he now? Do you say he's three? He'll be free on Valentine's Day is his birthday. So yeah, free next month. But yeah, he's a whirlwind now. <laughs> I bet. He's got my stubbornness, I guess you'd yeah. call it. He knows what he wants. <laughs> yeah. And what what does the future hold for your family, do you think? Are you kind of happy with the three of you now or do you think that you might entertain the idea of a second miracle baby? Yeah, yeah, we would we would like to grow the family more. Um, I'm still kind of mentally recovering from it all. So mm. I wanted to leave a bit of a bigger gap. So I was breastfeeding. So when I got my first period back, he was about okay. 18 months. And that first period back was terrible mm. and brought back all of the emotions and feelings and stuff I went back to the gut health sort of thing looked right into it and looked with the link between endometriosis and I've researched and researched all through lockdown I had time to do that and see the link and how that you can naturally start easing Mm -hmm. and healing your gut which will heal and ease your symptoms which is what I've been doing so now I don't get any pain that's just amazing (laughs) yeah it feels to me like endometriosis in itself is a huge challenge then you had the sickness and then you had you know the 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 birth that you had as well and each one of those things kind of on their own is a lot but yeah sometimes the more things that get thrown at you the stronger it makes you yeah yeah definitely I feel that and yeah with endometriosis I just I'm so happy to see more women like you speaking out on it I think that's the way that other women who are hopefully listening to this feel seen and heard and informed by it yeah I do just want like women to know that it's not the end that I when I got that consultation diagnosis I did think it was the end and you think oh well I'm going to have to start doing these injections and IVF and all that stuff. Like, And yes, that can help, but I want people to know that you can help the process yeah. when you know what you need to do. Yeah. So that's what I try to get across now, showing people another way, another yeah. option. Well, congratulations on <laughs> thank you. your journey. And obviously it's not finished, but um, thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> That's the end of this episode. Take care and see you next time.